awareness of your emotions is the number one strategy. Uh, you know, and I think the Dalai Lama said it perfectly that awareness is a strategy in itself. And most of us skip that step to directly try to deal with it or manage it. Whereas it starts with being able to recognize what does that emotion really feel like physically in your body and mentally in your mind. Just recognizing it is the number one step. Siddharth Anantaram is someone who would rather be interested in what you have to say than to appear interesting. Meaningful conversations are his purpose in life. He's the business head at Evercoach Valley School of Coaching and the founder of Life Circles, a company that helps people connect over conversations using games and experiences. He's also a TEDx speaker. If you want to know more about him, you can reach him on Instagram at Sid underscore Anantaram and find out more about his company, Life Circles, at Our Life Circles. Welcome to Maharani Talks, and I'm Mahati Rangarajan. Join me as I talk to Siddharth about navigating our emotions during this pandemic and the important conversations we should be having with ourselves. Hi, Siddharth. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. One more time. I know we had a little technical glitch <laughs> and we're all doing this from parts of our house. So I'm, I'm excited to do this a second time. <laughs> yes, we're trying different locations. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so I'm really curious about why you became a coach. Could you tell me about that? Absolutely. So I think um, one, while growing up, one of my biggest influences on me uh, was my father. And uh, one of the approaches that had the most biggest influence on me was uh, Whenever I had a problem, whether it was a life problem, whether it was a, um, you know, a situation in school or a new challenge that I was taking up, um, he never gave me answers. He just pushed me to ask the right questions. And, and so uh, that approach to, to looking at life and, and knowing that for any problem, there's always the right question uh, that can lead you in the right direction, not you in the right direction, give you clarity, stayed with me. And when I started growing up, I started realizing that the approach that comes closest to that, um, that helps other people solve their own problems, is actually the field of coaching. Because what coaching is all about is um, not solving a problem or giving an answer to another person, but um, nudging them in the right directions, giving them clarity, giving them the right tools so that they can solve their own problems. So uh, I think it was the approach to to seeking clarity, finding clarity uh, that I enjoy the most, which is very question-based. And the other thing that, of course, coaching really, uh, that, that I really love about coaching is the, it's that it helps me live my number one core value, which is serving people and making a difference in people's lives. Okay. And um, when did you figure that you, this is what you wanted to do? So, uh, like most people, I think I started off... Um, I started off in, in almost eight years back. I started my corporate career eight years back. I, I, I think I started off, uh, my first job was in a front-end consulting firm. Uh, life was good. Everything was going as per uh, what society calls perfect. You know, from the outside, everything looked fine. Okay. Uh, but on the inside, after two or three years in a consulting firm, I realized that there was something that was off. And uh, dialing into that uh, made me realize that what it 
what that job was giving me was it was giving me a lot of experience. It was giving me traditional um, levels of satisfaction externally, but internally I was still not aligned to um, living what I truly want to do and living my core values pretty much. And um, stopping there and reflecting there uh, led me to the path of saying, okay, there are three things I really want to do in my life. And those three things are, the first is serving people, making a consistent difference in people's lives every day. Second is believing in people even when they don't believe in themselves sometimes, uh, because that really gives me joy. And, and the third one is um, really connecting deeply with people and, um, and ensuring that um, they're seen, heard, and understood. And so I really literally ask myself, what is it? which area, which field, or what can I do to live these three values every single day? And that is what, asking myself that question is what led me into the path of finding coaching uh, that combines all of these three elegantly, uh, that, that helps me not just make a living, but also live a, a, a meaningful life. That's interesting. And that's how it became part of Mind Valley. So the way I found Mind Valley is pretty interesting. When I was in that consulting job that I was speaking about, um, I realized that one of the areas that uh, I'm most passionate about um, it was the area of education because I know that education is a, is a field that helps people, sparks new ideas, that empowers people, uh, that gives people strength of voice, that gives people strength of character. And I was looking for ways and means to be able to make a dent in the education space. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is skills because I felt like the things that uh, differentiated me from most of my peers at that point of time was not that I was, was not because I had done a very different degree, was not because I had of any of the academic stuff that I'd learned, but was all the stuff that I'd learned in terms of soft skills, whether it was communication, whether it was leading, whether it was team building, whether it was thinking on your feet, whether it was um, entrepreneurship, all of these different things were what really stood um, held me in good ground and made me successful in my first job. So I said, I looked around and I said, why are there not more people who are teaching these skills out there in the world today? And uh, before starting my own, I said, okay, let me just go ask or see who else in the world is doing something similar. And the first result that popped up on Google was, was Mind Valley, And that's how I ended up applying there. And it's been, the rest, as they say, is history. It's been about five and a half, six years almost there with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I really want to ask you, we're living in such unfamiliar times yeah. and we have no parallels, at least no one we know right now that can tell us, you know, what it's like to go through such a phase like this. For you, especially as a coach, what's the new stuff that you've learned during a phase like that's such unfamiliar phase that has been useful to you and you think can be useful to others? So I think anyone who says, any coach, anyone who says that they were prepared for a time like this uh, is lying because no one can be. This is unprecedented, right? I agree. Right. So I think um, for me, it was the same thing. I started off week two, week three of this lockdown, um, raring to go, thinking I'm going to be super productive, having a list of creative projects that I want to get done, uh, all of that. But I think by week four, around the first month, when I started realizing that you know, there's so many unfamiliar feelings and emotions that are cropping up inside me that I had never felt before. And um, whether I'm a coach, whether I'm irrespective of my title or my designation, I think emotions are something that is so close to us that very few of us still understand. And I think that was my first biggest realization through this period that um, your emotions are like water in a pipe. Okay. 
you know, it's my favorite analogy. Your emotions are like water in a pipe. If you don't let them flow, they will leak and they will leak into other conversations. It, they will leak into your other relationships. They will leak into other spaces and other areas that you're part of. Or if you still hold on to them for too long, the pipe will just burst, which is what an emotional outburst is. So I think one of my biggest learnings through this period is because there's so much emotions um, yeah. that is that is basically constrained in limited spaces because people cannot go out. People are working. People are, um, you know, working. The people are living. People are basically working out. People are studying. People are doing everything from the same space. So that emotions. We're multitasking more than ever. Exactly. And and so uh, the amount of mental space that uh, we are left with during this period is very limited. So I think one the biggest amount of time I've spent over the course of the last, you know, eight, almost nine weeks now has been to, to realize for myself and also help other people realize and, and serve other people also through that process of saying, you don't have to lock yourself down emotionally during this period of physical lockdown. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. And uh, so finding ways and means to allow your emotions to have some motion, to let it flow, to find ways and means to, uh, to be aware of them and to, to find ways and means to check in with yourself, to be aware of them, to manage them, and then to, to label them, actually, uh, has been one of my biggest learnings during this period. This is probably the closest I've come to um, managing and knowing my own emotions and also helping people do the same. Okay, that's a very interesting way of putting it. Um, so when we're confronted with so many emotions that we um, haven't probably experienced before, what is the best way to deal with it? in your opinion? So, you know, I love the words that we use when it comes to emotions. And uh, one of the words we use most often is deal, you know, dealing with them, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So uh, I used it, I use it all the time as well. But one of the number one things I've learned um, through this process and, and through the amount of time I've spent over the last eight weeks understanding emotions also is that awareness of your emotions is the number one strategy. Uh, you know, and I think the Dalai Lama said it perfectly that awareness is a strategy in itself. And most of us skip that step to directly try to deal with it or manage it. Whereas it starts with being able to recognize what is the emotion you're feeling? What is the, what does that emotion really feel like physically in your body and mentally in your mind? Just recognizing it is the number one step. Most of us are not even able to pinpoint when we're feeling something off, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's, uh, whether it's something else, you know? And, and so if you don't recognize what the emotion is, you don't recognize how to deal with it or manage it because you don't even know yeah. what that emotion is, right? So I think uh, awareness has been the first most and recognition and awareness has been the first most important step and so for me for anyone listening if they want to be able to be more aware or recognize it the simplest tool is every morning just like you drink your cup of coffee take a few minutes while you're drinking your cup of coffee to actually write down what is it that you're feeling and it could be simply something like what am i feeling right now in your body in your mind do this consistently every single day so that you can increase your uh, emotional dictionary, like I call it. And, and I think so that has been my uh, simplest, but a consistent tool that you can use every day to just check in with yourself. And uh, the second form of awareness comes with your breath, yeah. right? And that's something that each one of us has. And 
you when you cannot control everything externally what you can control is your internal system yeah. and and your your breath your breath never fails you so um another tool that i've been using a lot more than i've ever used before is uh starting my day just counting what my breath count is okay and for most people normal breath counts are between 12 to 14 breaths per minute okay so if you're not able to pinpoint how exactly you're feeling in a particular day uh if your breath count is say 18 or 20 or even 24 you already know that your body is feeling a little different from what it what your normal is yeah right so so because your breath never lies and and so just consistently recording your breath and your your feelings every single morning is a great way for you to just start the day checking in with yourself and uh if you really enjoy this i've you know people have been doing this with now uh for almost 3 weeks now enjoy it so much that they do it 3 or 4 times a day uh because it really helps them take that couple of minutes just for themselves to breathe to really ask yourself okay how am i feeling right now and 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 just doing that brings awareness and recognition to what you're feeling so i think that's the first step but the second step honestly has been um just accepting whatever you you feel once you recognize it i agree um uh, i think so so many of us are so um so we fight it quick to yeah either fight it um or we you know like you said we either fight it or we say hey but other people have it worse yeah you know there are people dying out there or there yeah. are people who are like have the disease right or have there are other people who don't even have food right so we say okay how can we feel this way when they're they're so worse off exactly yeah and we should be grateful for what we have you know i agree we should be but still there are these emotions that do crop up exactly and and for me that has been the second thing when you don't accept we think that not um acknowledging or accepting an emotion prevents us from feeling it as well but it doesn't right yeah <laughs> so so once you recognize it feel the feels it's okay people can have it worse but that does not mean you stop feeling what you have to so i think that has been a second very very important thing so if there's anger one day just accepting that you're angry you know that that you are in a space where um you are not able to do your morning routine the way you would have otherwise liked or you are not able to go for your morning run and that's why you're feeling angry today or another day you're feeling really sad because there's a friend out there who is sick and who needs to help but you can't go out there to support that person right, right? or on a third day you've just got off a horrible call with with your boss at work and you're having to jump into a household chore and you're angry yeah right it's okay for you to just recognize that you're angry and then accept that you are that just stay with it for a bit before trying to to either find a solution to it or to try to throw it out of the window all right so basically awareness of your feelings and that helps you ground it with it and accept it okay what what about how do you make sure that you know you're constantly uh, someone's in your space you're constantly in someone else's space because um in fact there's a joke among um Uh, friends you know a lot of couples are going to need therapy after this yeah so how do you deal with that yeah um uh, where people are always around you know um the idea of privacy is kind of diminished sometimes your kids are always around they constantly want keep demanding stuff from you so you know how do you manage that your relationships yeah i think the um it honest answer is it's not easy so i'm i'm going to be very very upfront and say you know people are having to um 
you know, li- go back to, to living with their parents. Like I've been living with my parents now for the last, uh, it was supposed to be two weeks, but it's been like three months now, right? And uh, there are people who are living with, and, and I'm very, very grateful that I'm living with my parents and I'm, I'm not stuck in a place that is, that is unfamiliar. I'm actually home. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people are having to live with people in spaces that they're not used to. Uh, and, and so, or they're, they're filled with, three or four people or five people living in a very constrained space. So I think the, I have to first acknowledge that it's not easy. And the second thing I have to say is uh, primarily that when you cannot expand your external space, what you can do is do ways, use means and tools to expand your internal space, which is how can you declutter your brain? How can you declutter your your mind? How can you uh, tidy up at least even if you have a particular, even if you are living in a square room, how can you at least clean up that, declutter that? Because that's still in your control, Um, right? So I think that's been one key uh, aspect. And the second key aspect has been to recognize that, um, you know, space is, is, uh, we as human beings are blessed with the ability to imagine and envision. And, And space is such a thing that if you're able to just even, you know, imagine the clear sky imagine being on a beach it gives you makes you feel those things it makes you feel a lot more calmer or does it or does it end up making you feel more anxious oh god i miss the beach <laughs> so it, it depends right it, it depends if you if you're looking at it from a perspective the way you're imagining it is i wish i was there yeah or 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 if you're if you're imagining it from a place of okay that's the kind of space you are in like for me one of the biggest things has been to look out of my window and just to look at the sky and has given me the mental space i like the space i need right you can't be there but at least you can you can you can see it and bring or invite some of that space into you so i think that has been a second thing that has really helped me uh and the third thing has been um energy managing your energy uh when you're in a constrained space is so so important which means when you are uh when your energy is off how can you ensure that you either give yourself the time and space to ground yourself get your energy back or you just don't actively involve engage in conversation because what you're going to end end up doing is changing the energy of the entire room or surrounding or environment that you're part of at that particular point of time. So being cognizant of your own energy has been something that I've, I've been more mindful of. Okay. You always stressed the need about having meaningful conversations with other people, but at a time like this where, you know, we are all uh, detached from each other in a sense that, you know, um, we're not really interacting as much um, outside, at least outside family members. And you were talking about going into your internal space. What, in that internal space, what are the important conversations that we should be having with ourselves, or the right questions to ask ourselves? So, great, great point. I think um, first of all, it is uh, the the number one thing about having a great conversation with yourself is comes down to the words you use, and especially at times like the times like the time life we are in right now the words you use make a huge difference, right? So for example, it is, uh, it is physical isolation. It's not social isolation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a situation. It's not really a crisis. It is a crisis for you if you have, if you're actively dealing with um, 
you know being in the hospital or if you're if you're if someone very close to you is having it but otherwise calling it a crisis immediately me calls your gets your brain to have a flight or flight response right yeah so so just when if you if just calling it a situation already calms you down so i think one of the biggest things i've learned is when you're in the conversations with yourself the word choose the words you use very carefully and very wisely and ensure that it's serving you that's the first um thing and the second thing has been um going easy in yourself even with questions so i honestly i'm a huge i'm a huge thing of questions and reflection and all of that but on days when you wake up saying okay today i do not feel like doing a lot of things just being easy on yourself and 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 saying okay it's okay it's fine because uh you are working you are working from home yes but you are working from home during a situation which is not very normal yeah so it expecting abnormal levels of like or normal levels of productivity during a situation which is quite different is also not fair on you so i think being easy on yourself is another uh conversation being compassionate being easy being more uh loving with yourself has been another key conversation to have during yourself with with yourself during this period i agree and i think the third um third thing that has that has been the most beautiful thing about this whole period is that a lot of people have been consciously i would not say use the word forced but are having to connect with the people they lived whether it's their family members whether it's their spouses whether it's their and if time was your excuse earlier it no longer is that's true if i have to travel and i have to get if was your excuse earlier you can't use that as an excuse <laughs> so even if if you if this period has taught a lot of people that if they were avoiding either deep connections or or meaningful conversations with people and if time was a reason it cannot be so so it, it's it's conf- a lot of people are being confronted with the fact that you know maybe um i was basically you know avoiding the whole deep connection with the next person and 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 by i was trying to tell myself that it's maybe time but it's not right so so finding ways and means to connect more deeply with the people you ha- are in at home right now or with yeah. with friends or um has been another um blessing i would say and the most important thing is is the people you still want to keep in touch with right now you realize that those are the people who really matter in your life so when you come out of it make it a point to nurture those relationships because in terms of in times of crisis or situations or unfamiliar situations like these is when you really fall back on the people who are there to support you So if you consciously are keeping in touch with a few of your friends amongst your larger group of friends during this period know that they are really the people who are serving you. Right. They're they're the people probably who are adding more strength to your life. They're adding more support to your life. They're adding more hope to your life. So that has been another um take away from me. Okay. You were talking about connecting with uh, your family members at a time like this. And say uh that wasn't always the case uh with your parents or you know um any extended family that you live with what is a good starting point to sit down and connect with them where do you think they can meet or so that it's not awkward so you know for me any con- a conversation becomes meaningful when first of all you start off with like i said checking in um and and for me a check in is a great way for us to arrive into any conversation without jumping in uh and a check in often involves when two people come together even with you when you're with your 
you know, your family, anyone you, you meet, um, starting with this question as simple as, um, you know, what's happening, right? How are you feeling right now? Or what, what is, what is new in your world? Or, uh, what, what was, what's the thing that is most exciting you right now? That's one of my favorite questions, uh, as well. Right. And when it comes to family, um, asking, asking my dad, how was, or asking my mom, how was yesterday? You know, just starting with something as, as simple as that, where you don't try to jump into what either you're going through at work or how you're feeling, but you start off where you both create a space where you both dial into where you are at right now, I think is a great starting point. Um, Once you check in, I think the next part of having any conversation is about asking open-ended questions where you're actually curious about what the other person is going through or um, just their life. So for me, one of my, one of my favorite things to do is wake up every morning and when my grandmom's uh, here, I ask her, did you sleep well? How was, how was, last night for you? Did you sleep well? Open-ended question. And that starts off an entire conversation about how last night's sleep was good, bad, um, what she thought of, how was her morning after that, all of that. But it's an open-ended question. And it's not you just closing the loop, you start opening a loop with that, with that question or with that conversation. I think just being curious is the second step. And the third step is actually being, um, is being reflecting back what you're hearing to the person. So, so for example, if, if my mom says, you know, my yesterday, my yoga was, my yoga session was not the best. Uh, and, you know, and she goes on to tell me why it wasn't her best because she tried saying doing hundred Surya Namaskars and she was able to do only say 50 or something like that. So just reflecting back what I'm saying, what, what I'm hearing her say to her saying, what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, you feel that you are not as fit as you were probably one year from now. Now that opens up an entire new loop of conversation. It does two things. It shows that you're interested. And second, you're reflecting back what she is thinking in that moment. And that's what in that, in those moments is when your conversation becomes all the more meaningful because it's not you just, you know, unloading everything that you're feeling and the other person doing the same, then both people walk away. Yeah you're increasing the depths and going deeper and deeper into, into the conversation. So those are just a few things that I think has uh, always helped. And I think they will, irrespective of any situation you're in, they will always help as long as you're able to check in, ask open-ended questions, uh, reflect back what you're hearing from someone in a conversation. And, um, oh, and the most important thing is being silent. I think it's the most forgotten aspect of any conversation, which is silence. Um, and, and using conversations as a tool to, to not say much, but just to be silent and, and to listen is, I think, another powerful way to increase the depth of any conversation. That's, that's great. Um, actually, a couple of days back, someone told me, um, you know, imagine if we had to go through this phase, say, 20, 25 years back and there was no internet, you know, I can't imagine up light what it would have been. We are so uh, all the more connected to our devices and social media and, you know, like we are in a hyper-connected world. How, how do you think we can leverage that better? Because a lot of times for many people, they open social media and the first wave of attack is anxiety or um, I don't know if FOMO is, is not probably not there at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> so what, I mean, what do you think people should remember when they are, you know, 
when it's social media is when they're usually connecting with others. So I think, thank God for social media, first of all, because it, it's helping you stay connected despite being yeah. so disconnected. Um, again, the words you use will have a huge difference. So for me, I'm, I start off saying I'm, I'm very grateful that we have social media because it's helping me connect with friends from all around the world. But it's again about setting a boundary of how you want to use it instead of getting used by it. Right. right. So how do you want to use social media as a tool to do the things that you want to do? So for me, it has been clear that um, the boundary I set for myself is that a X number of time, amount of time on social media, whatever, every day. Second, the time of day, time of the day that I want to or don't want to use social media. So for example, I know mornings are my most productive time. So I don't even look at my phone or any, any electronic device. Okay. Right. And, and third, setting another boundary of saying, okay, if, if your news is not serving you, in which case it wasn't for me, not looking at it or, or leaving groups or WhatsApp groups and um, other things that are draining your energy, leaving it for this time being because it's not serving you is another way of ensuring that you don't get used by it, but you use it whenever you want to. So I think that is when it comes to social media and technology, it's all about being all about creating a boundary that is healthy for you. Uh, and, and, you know, giving it the time and the, um, time and attention that you want to give it, but not getting consumed in the process. And it's hard, but, uh, I think it starts with you just listing down three or four simple boundaries for yourself and, and, and ensuring that you are consistent with following those boundaries every day. I agree. And I also feel uh, it's actually in your control, social media, you know, you can decide who you want to follow, what content you want to see, you know? So, absolutely, and I think a lot of people forget that. I think um, they end up consuming what has been given to them rather than they choosing what content to follow. Absolutely, absolutely. Just just knowing that if there was a period of time during this whole thing where you felt like you don't want any social media, or or you know you didn't want to spend any time on anything that is not serving you just saying it's okay for you to do that for example i took yeah. two weeks off completely from all social media all whatsapp all all messages and just spend that time reading and not feeling bad that i wasn't answering those unanswered messages i think a lot of times people feel bad and i, and I think feel guilty for not getting fast enough to replying to that message that's been waiting yeah. for them or to that um to that person who's asked them something on via email that they haven't replied to. But, but giving yourself the time and space to say, okay, I want the space to first, you know, reconnect with myself. And during this period of time, if I don't use any electronic devices, totally okay. I think it's fair. It's fine. And people understand and nothing is urgent. That's what I've learned. If something's really <laughs> urgent, people will come and knock on your door. Otherwise, yeah, no email, no message, no call is urgent in this little world. Okay. Uh, I want to know what is um, your ma- most favorite part of your day that brings you most joy at a time like this? So I think my favorite, absolute favorite time of the day is the morning. Uh, there's nothing like a beautiful morning, just listening to, um, listening to the birds chirping, listening to the sun rising. It's my favorite time of the day when I journal, when I meditate, when I uh, do my most creative um, work, whether it's writing, whether it's, um, you know, designing something or creating something. I think it's my morning. My morning routine is the one non-negotiable that I've built uh, that has sustained me through through most of the times, including this time. And it's my first one hour, one and a half hours of every day 
yeah. that is my f- absolute favorite it's my me time that no one absolutely no one takes away from me so you're more a morning person than a night uh, night owl oh 100% 100% okay um you know uh when this whole coronavirus thing happened it first looked like okay it's going to be you know a couple of weeks a, m- a month then maybe okay maybe may end and now we are you know entering the third month and and now it's starting to look like you know i don't know how long this like you said physical dis- distancing might go on probably till the end of the year when the days start you know merging into one another um what 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 about the long term goals you know uh you know how can they keep a steady head for such a long time i mean how do you quite in your mind as in it it gets more and more anxious as the days roll by absolutely and again i want to start off by acknowledging that you know a lot of people's um goals projects things that they had in mind uh it all goes through a toss all completely gone out of the window right and um like they say life is what happens when you're busy making other plans <laughs> i think I agree. Yeah. life is happening to all of us right so um for me it comes down to one simple question uh which is in this whole thing what can you control and what can you let go of so so in in this whole thing for me i've if in in any situation any in any plan any project anything that i had planned for this 3 4 months i i have asked myself what can i control to still make it happen and what can i let go of and just focus on the things that you can control and uh let me give an example of how that what that looked like for me right for example in my case i wanted to um most of my i run an initiative called life circles and most of my events happen physically was happening through retreats was happening through uh physical meetups of small intimate groups of people where we used to do workshops and you know a bunch of different yeah. um uh events it was physical events but suddenly when this happened all my physical events had to stop all uh the meetups that I had planned all the circles that I had planned uh, a huge retreat that I had planned for about 15 people in goa had to be canceled right now it brought a lot of uncertainty with it it brought a lot of confusion and you know obviously stress also with it uh but just asking myself this question of what can i control and what can i let go of made me realize that the only thing i can control is still giving value to this group of people who had committed to these right. these these activities and these things with me and if i if i can control that i can still offer them that value finding a different medium to still offer them that value is the best thing i can do to control the situation right now and what can what do i have to let go of is my own expectations of wanting to have done it physically wanting it to be in this beautiful venue that i had booked wanting to um, you know have xyz other stuff added on to the experience those are all my expectations that i had to let go of so um i think it's coming down to that this, whatever you have planned ask yourself what can you control and what do you have to let go of and then make peace with it for whatever goals whatever things you had planned for yourself during this period uh okay. just this one simple question and um making peace with it controlling the things you can and letting go of what you can and yeah and not feeling bad about it i mean not being so hard on yourself in the sense especially as a an entrepreneur it's really a tough time so many businesses are closing down and uh It, it is tough times again it's again the words we use right it is tough times but it's also opportune times because a lot of yeah and a, a time for innovation 
Absolutely. It's times when a lot of companies are, are having to ask themselves, what is it that about what we do that is really important and that can make it through any time, whether it's a really bad time or a really good time. And so a lot of companies are dialing down and uh, our businesses are dialing down and on what is most important, what's the crux or what's the core of what they do. Because everything else that they realize has all of these XYZ dependencies is not probably the center of what they do. Yes, I agree. Right. And, and I think a lot of companies are having to ask themselves that question. And um, honestly, you know, this situation gives all of us the time to emerge from it with stress or emerge from it with a place from a place of growth, including companies. It's about the decisions you take and again, asking yourself, which aspects of my decisions can I control? And then going ahead and doing whatever you can to control it. That's it. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. So what are your plans for, you know, or, or is it, uh, uh, <laughs> you're not really making plans and taking it as it goes for the coming six months? So are you speaking personally or are you speaking professionally or both? Both. So uh, personally, I'm, I know one of the things I want to do once I get out of this on a lighter note is get a haircut. Clearly because it's <laughs> the longest my hair is grown. <laughs> but, uh, Your but, parents uh, are, are not up to the task? <laughs> uh, not yet. In fact, right before this call, they were just telling me, you know, uh, why don't you try? Um, <laughs> we, we will give you a haircut kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's on a lighter note. But uh, overall, I think one of the blessings of this whole this whole period has been it's given me a lot of time to to again take a step back to reflect to to focus on the aspects of uh, what I want to create and uh, I've realized that one of the things I really want to create has been um, you know a lot more a lot more games and a lot more uh, conversations with people in different spaces in different settings and so this has given really given me a lot of ideas around what that should look like so I'm in the process of creating a game uh, that helps people have meaningful conversations and sparks meaningful conversations through questions in whatever spaces, whether with your group of your group where you're with a group of friends or you're a group with your group of family or your with your colleagues. Um, you often struggle, right, to have conversations that have yeah. a certain set of depth. What if you had a tool uh, which was a set of say hundred questions that sparked this for you without you having to think about it? Uh, so I've created that. Um, and I'm very, very excited to get it out to, to the world. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about is um, having more conversations with people which draw out their stories. So I'm in the process of also getting out a similar podcast, something very similar to what you're doing, uh, which um, yeah. ultimately... It's, it's going to be called ultimately- Let's Talk. It's called Let's Talk, yes. Okay. It's called Let's Talk and it's focused on having conversations that matter on people in areas of people's well-being. Um, okay. And I, I don't want to, unlike most other podcasts, I don't want to um, you know, interview the experts. I want to interview real people. Like I want to interview people who are in my own friends, my own family members, um, <laughs> colleagues, extended network. And I want to know what is something that is really on their mind. And, and what is something that they really want to speak about that matters, uh, that the world should hear, right? Because for me, that's where the essence of beautiful stories lie. Where it lies, extraordinary for me, lies in the ordinary. And uh, so that's that's what I want to explore through that podcast. 
And the third thing I'm, I'm really excited about is Life Circles, which is the initiative that I was talking about, which is uh, really, uh, if I have to describe it, it's really a new school for personal well-being. Uh, that's, that's what it is. And this whole time has given us the opportunity to take everything that we did otherwise offline through retreats and through experiences. It, it has given us the opportunity to take all of it online. So we're hosting a bunch of online circles every month, online workshops every month. Uh, we're also hosting um, online meetups for people, online games for people. So uh, That's interesting. engaging my time doing a lot of that has also been uh, something I'm really excited about. Okay. So when can we expect uh, Life Circles, the game and the podcast? So podcast, hope, uh, my, the, my team tells me that the launch date is around June 10th. So I'm hoping everything goes, uh, is, is on track to, to, to launch my first episode on, on June 10th. So it's already been okay. recorded. It's more about getting it out. Okay. Um, and, and the game as well, we want to release it on the same day, release both of them on the same day. So hopefully June 10th is a, by June 10th, uh, we're able to get both of it out and that would be a good start to the month of June. Yeah, I'll be looking forward. And for the listeners, where can they uh, find uh, or listen to your podcast or get, your, get the game? So, uh, so for people listening, I think if, if you are curious about Life Circles, um, it's, it's, um, you can just follow me, follow us at ourlifecircle.com. It's O-U-R, lifecircle.com. And forward slash game is where you will find the game. Uh, we haven't yet officially put our podcast out there, but the, it should be on the homepage as well the moment it's out. So just, just go to ourlifecircle.com and you should find all the information there. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Siddharth. I had uh, such a wonderful conversation with you. Hey, thank you. And thank you for your patience. I know the internet has been really patchy and you've been <laughs> yeah. super, super patient with me throughout this whole thing. So I appreciate it. Thank you for your time as well. No, same here as well. So for spending so much time. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so Have much. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you found this discussion useful, please let your friends know. Maharani Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You could also reach me on Instagram at Maharani Talks or on Twitter at Mahati Says. Stay safe.